This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Astro Line. Astro Line. Astro Line. Carbach Brewing Company presents Sports Talk 790 Astro Line. Astro Line. The official preseason show of Astros baseball. This is where we talk about your Astros. Join the show. Post your questions and comments on social media. Just be sure to hashtag Astrolife. That ball is gone. See you later. Live from Duffy's Sports Bar in West Palm Beach, Florida. Sports Talk 790 Astroline starts now. Greetings from Duffy Sports Grill, Uncle Mattis, West Palm Beach, home of Astro Spring Training and home of Astroline, presented by Carbach Brewing Company, coming to you live here in West Palm Beach. I'm Robert Ford. We're joined by a couple of people. My co-host today, the voice of the uh, Corpus Christi Hooks, Astro's AA affiliate, Mike Coffin. Good to see you, Mike. Greetings. Thanks for having me. And our guest this evening is the... President of Baseball Operations, General Manager of the Astros, Jeff Luno, is here today. Thanks for joining us, Jeff. Looking forward to it. So this spring training, I mean, it's hard to believe a week from Sunday, yeah. camp breaks. I mean, still have two more exhibition games in Houston after that. Yeah. But, I mean, we're, we're getting down to, to, to near the end. Does it, does it feel like this has been going on forever? Well, no, it's actually been very quick. I do the first Astro line of the offseason and yes. the last one. I'm the bookend guy, I guess, because you run out of other guests <laughs> at some point. And so the starter and the closer. It. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And to be honest with you, usually St. Paddy's Day, we're just getting warmed up. We still have two, three weeks more of spring training. There's still a lot going on, a lot of decisions to be made. But, you know, we're, we're at the three-quarter flagpole. We're heading down the stretch. The team's looking pretty good. There's not a ton of decisions to make. We're healthy. In fact... I wish opening day was this Sunday, not uh, two weeks from now. So, But I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to getting out of here. We've had a great time down here. Florida is amazing. It's fun coming down to all the restaurants and bars and being out in the field every morning early. Um, we're excited to uh, get back to Houston and then come right back to Florida. I'm just curious as to your schedule in spring training, how that kind of differs from the regular season and, and kind of the, the day-to-day you know, rigors and challenges that you're going through. Well, first of all, I'm hardly up at 5 a.m. during the regular season unless we've had an extra inning game out on the West Coast or we've flown back. Um, so the time is completely different. That's actually, you know, it's hard on us, but it's much harder on the players. These guys are up every day when you get to the complex, whether it's 6.30 or 6 or 7. Players are already there. They're in the cage. They're working out. So they're getting up. They must be getting up around 4.35. And then all of a sudden we flip a switch and the season starts and we're playing night games and they're, you know, showing up at 1 and staying at the ballpark until 1 in the morning. It's that That's a real toll. It takes a real toll on, on everybody. But... Um, you know, the, the flow is so different in spring training. There's so much going on with, you know, however many players we had, 70-something in spring training. Um, we got to cut it down to 25. You know, we got to give everybody a chance to prove themselves. And really a lot of for us, because our team is, is pretty well defined, it's about giving these players a chance to, to perform in front of AJ, in front of Strami, in front of you guys, 
And, and so that when they come back during the summer, we're familiar with them. We've all seen Forrest Whitley. We've seen Corbin Martin. Uh, there, it's not a surprise to us. We've seen Alvarez. We, you know, we know who Toro is. And, and that's the same thing for the coaches. When they want to know what these guys can do when they come up. So that's, that's kind of fun. This is your, going into your eighth season as Astros general manager. And would it be safe to say this is the quietest camp you've had? I'm not even talking about, I mean, you know, you're going to have your, your nicks and bumps and bruises and things like that. But in terms of decisions to be made, it seems like, certainly since I've been with the Astros, right. the fewest decisions that have needed to be made during spring training this year than other years. Yeah, I think that's right. We've got, uh, of the I, first day of spring training, I talked to the team, and there were 30 players in that room that had played on our major league team last year. And the other 30-something were players from our system. We didn't bring in players from the outside, and usually that means that we have a pretty well-defined group. I mean, obviously, we know who's going to be playing the infield. We know who the outfielders are. We know who the catchers are. You know, the rotation still has one spot up for grabs, and the bullpen has one, maybe two spots up for grabs. And I like it that way. You know, you have to keep yourself motivated every day to go out there and, and do the work and do the evaluations. And, you know, we're constantly still looking out to see if there's something out in the market that makes sense for us. But at this point, you know, we're so close to opening day that the, we're going to start with the players that are in camp now and We'll see what happens after that. Well, you mentioned the bullpen, Jeff, and uh, it's really it's tough to evaluate, you know, as a fan when you look at box scores, the spring training numbers. Uh, how do you evaluate the, the pin as a whole in, in, in terms of the progress they're making? So, you know, Perez, for you know, example, yeah. just ramping up, made his start, made his first appearance a couple of days ago. Uh, how have you seen that group shaping up? Well, you know, we're really excited about the, the guys that are going to be at the end of the game. And we know Osuna uh, and Presley are going to be at the end of the game. Rondon's going to be in that mix occasionally. You know, Devo and Harris, we, we've got that group. We know that group is going to be there. Um, you know, CNL's outing yesterday was important because it's his first time out on the field. <coughs> he, he looked good. He looked comfortable. He felt good today. We're going to try and get him in there a couple more times. <coughs> Goudouan has done a gr good job. He had one bad outing. But other than that, he's done a nice job. We haven't seen Dietz because he's still... Hurt, so there's going to be, you know, Framber. If he doesn't make the rotation, is he a guy for the bullpen? Um, you know, there's there's still some decisions to be made there, but I'm comfortable. You know, one of the things about the bullpen the last couple of years, which has been really helpful, is that we've had these guys that can go two, three, sometimes four innings, like Devo did it, and then Peacock did it, and McHugh did it, and 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 we had 13 pitchers. Right. So that gives AJ so much of a safety net when the starter comes out early, or you you have extra inning games. This year, we're probably going to start with 12 pitchers, and, and so we're going to have to have one guy that we can rely on to pitch two-plus innings and maybe bounce back on two days' rest. And, and we don't know who that is. It could be CNL. It could be Armenteros. It could be you know, a number of guys um, throughout that first month. I mean, you know, we've already sent a couple of these guys down that could be candidates, but they could be coming back, and it's probably more important than ever for us to have an optionable reliever in that bullpen. So we have an extra inning game, and we need a pitcher tomorrow. That guy's going to have to get on the bus to Round right, Rock, exactly. and we're going to have to bring someone up. Well, you mentioned Ramian Goudouin. This guy's got outstanding stuff, uh, a tremendous fastball, lights-out slider. Uh, what's been the big difference for him this, this spring and just uh, attacking the strike zone and filling up that strike zone? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, he's always had elite major league pitches. His issue has always been about keeping them where he wants them and keeping them in and around the zone where they're going to chase and they're going to swing through it. And... Uh, you know, with the one only one outing that he didn't do that, he's done it the rest of the outings this spring. Right. And that's the guy we've been waiting for. You know, he's been Dave, he's been on our team essentially. We've been waiting for that for the past few years. And if if he's that guy, 
you know, he's got some, you know, I'm not going to say Chapman-esque stuff, but it's, it's stuff that, that rivals some no, no. of the best left-handers in the game. You know, when you, you talk about the bullpen, and we, the fifth starter spot plays into that. Brad Peacock, Framber Valdez, the two competitors for that spot. Peacock, you know what he can do yeah. in the rotation and in the bullpen. And safe to say, if he doesn't win the fifth starter's job, he's in the bullpen. Is it safe to say that if it's the other way around, not necessarily a guarantee that Fromber is in the bullpen to start yeah. the year if, if Peacock is the fifth starter? That's, that's a challenge because Framber tends to work in traffic, and he gets out of it because of the way he pitches and his ground ball tendencies. You know, I was joking about this the other day, but when we finally institute down the road, and it's coming in a couple of years, the extra inning rule where they start a runner at second like they're doing in the minor leagues. You know, why don't we start a runner on second for Framber every time? Because <laughs> as soon as he gets traffic on, he throws that ground ball that you need to get out of it. Um, so, but that's going to be the, the big decision for us. Do we take a risk, put Framber in the, in the bullpen? And also, quite frankly, is he available as a starter should something happen? He may be better suited going back to Round Rock, being in the rotation, building up, being able to pitch seven innings if we need him to and be there on a day's notice rather than, you know, maybe we used him three innings the day before and he's not available. Right. And, you know, you talk about Round Rock and, of course, Mike, the radio voice of Corpus Christi. And actually, Mike and I were talking about this a little earlier. You think about the rotations that you're going to have oh boy. Yeah. in Round Rock. I mean, the Bigley rotation, pretty good, right? right? But Not the, too bad. Not too bad. But the rotation in Round Rock, the rotation in Corpus Christi, I mean, I'd have to imagine there are probably going to be some guys – who are in the Corpus Christi rotation, who probably feel like yeah. and probably deserve to be in the Round Rock rotation to start the season. Well, I think there might be guys in Corpus Christi to start the year that feel they should be in the big leagues. Yeah. And some of our top prospects, we're going to have to manage their innings. And as a result, we might be sending them to Corpus because they're going to be pitching in the, in the tandem there as opposed to in the rotation. And, and that saves us a few innings. And with, with, with these guys that we talked to the other day, the Martin and Whitley and... Um, you know, the, re the rest of Bukaskas, uh, I want them to be available in September and October. Now, I, I don't know if we're going to need them in September and October, but I, I don't want to use up all their innings and realize in September that, oh, boy, we could really use this guy for the stretch run of the postseason, and he's, and he's out of innings. And is that, is that a part of the conversation when you're talking to these guys when, when cuts are being made is this is our rationale, yeah. this is what we're thinking, we're looking at September, we're looking at October. That's exactly right, and, and they get it. Um, you know, Whitley and I have had that conversation in years past, and, and JBB worked himself into that equation now, and, and Martin knows he's a top prospect, and it's possible all three of those guys debut this year, which would be amazing, yeah. but, um, you know, if we need them, we know they're there, and I think they all three need a little bit more seasoning, and BLX another one uh, who's got tremendous harm, and those guys are, are going to be here when we need them. When you think about innings increases year over year, that's always a, a topic of conversation. Right. There's no exact science no. to that, is there? I mean, is there, is there a, a kind of a, an, a percentage increase or a yeah. number that you're more comfortable with? Like how, do, how do you guys kind of try to figure, out, figure that out? Because no one really truly knows no. the answer. Nobody knows. There's rules of thumb. You don't want uh, a massive increase from one year to the next, just like you really don't want a massive increase from one start to the next in terms of number of pitches thrown. Right. And you want to keep it consistent. There's all kinds of... Uh, philosophies about tapering before competition and other things that are used in other sports and we've looked at all that we use the feedback from the players themselves quite a bit and if they're honest with us and our trainers are giving us a good evaluation which they do you know if someone's healthy we're going to let them go uh, but if, if they show any signs of fatigue and sometimes they don't even have to tell us we can see it in their stuff with all right. this technology that we have 
if someone's fastball starts to decline or they don't have the spin on it or they're not, they don't have the command, we can pick that up on, on the machines pretty quickly and have a conversation with them. And usually they say, oh, yeah, well, my arm's starting to feel a little tired, and that's when you dial back. But it's an ongoing conversation. But in general, before the season starts, we do put uh, not limits, but we put uh, objectives. If, if, you know, and last year, Forrest missed some time. Last year, JBB missed some time. So we can't go from 80 innings to 200. We have to do something in between. And so that's why we're going to really uh, be careful about monitoring their workloads. Speaking of uh, pitching prospects and uh, Josh James, a 34th round pick, yeah. uh, uh, you know, Jim Stevenson special exploding onto the scene last year. Um, obviously, sideline a little bit with uh, the right quad strain here in spring training uh, through a live uh, BP session a couple days ago. Uh, can you update us on, on his stance? Sure, and I, I didn't list him in the list of relievers, and that was my oversight because he's a guy AJ's going to be able to use late in the game. He's a guy that he's going to be able to firefight with and potentially use for those multi-inning stints. And we haven't ruled out bringing Josh James back into the rotation. There's going to be times throughout even the first month where we, you know, we could skip a fifth starter or put someone in the bullpen for a couple of outings and then maybe uh, promote someone different back to the rotation. You know, Peacock's done a great job this spring so far, and he, he's probably earned himself the, the first shot at it. Uh, but if James is pitching well and feeling well and being built up, there's no reason why we can't put him in the rotation. So um, he's pretty much on our team. It's just a matter of where he's going to fit, and that role may change throughout the year. But you know, the only fear is that if he's in the bullpen throwing 99, 100, 101, and getting guys out in the eighth inning, it's going to be hard to, to, yeah. to pull yeah. him out of that and put him back in the pull rotation. Back, yeah. yeah, Right, right. You know, you talk about J.B. Bukowskis and Corbin Martin and, and Forrest Whitley, and obviously these are guys that are starting pitchers and are being developed as starting pitchers. Is there a possibility we could see one or two or maybe all three out of the, the bullpen at the big league level at some point this year? Yeah, I mean, you look at James, he's, he was a starter and he came up in, as a reliever. And um, even back in my Cardinal days, we brought up Adam Wainwright as a reliever. Right. And he ended up being a closer and then back in the rotation. So it, it does happen. Uh, of, you know, of the three guys, I mean, we want to develop them as starters. We think they're ultimately their careers are more valuable for us and for them as starters. But we are going to, if we have a need and they're the best arms available and we don't have to go out and trade for an arm, there's no question we won't hesitate to bring those guys up. Hey, catch your Houston Astros in action at the Fit Team Ballpark of the Palm Beaches. For tickets and more information, visit astros.com slash spring training. We're coming to you live with Astro Launch presented, or Astro Line presented by Carbach Brewing Company. Coming to you live from Duffy Sports Grill, downtown West Palm Beach on Clematis. We'll be right back with President of Baseball Operations and General Manager Jeff Luno. This is the Houston Astros Radio Network. What's even easier than hitting a home run into the Crawford boxes? Deep to left field, and you can kiss that good Crawford boxes. How about cracking open a delicious Crawford Bach? Carbox's Crawford Bach pairs perfectly with peanuts, stadium dogs, and a good seventh inning stretch. Plus, a portion of the proceeds from each beer goes to the Astros Foundation to support community initiatives. So root, root, root for the Astros with a cold Crawford Bach this season. With plenty of player interaction and warm weather, spring training is something every baseball fan needs to experience. So, get to West Palm Beach and see your Houston Astros in action at the Fit Team Ballpark of the Palm Beaches. While you're here, don't miss our 20 craft breweries and 47 miles of beautiful beaches. 
Start planning your trip at thepalmbeaches.com for the best way to experience Florida. And welcome back to Duffy's Sports Grill, downtown West Palm on Clematis. This is Astroline presented by Carbach Brewing Company coming to you live from West Palm Beach. Hey, Astros fans, single game tickets are on sale now at Minute Maid Park as the Astros look to take it back. Get your single game tickets now at astros.com slash tickets or by calling one 9 astros Robert Ford and Michael Coffin joined by Astros President of Baseball Operations and General Manager Jeff Luno about to embark on his eighth season as the Astros General Manager. And, you know, we were talking about some of the young pitchers and Corbin Martin and Forrest Whitley and, and, and J.B. Bukowskis who are kind of known commodities and guys who a lot of people had eyeballs on coming into camp. Uh, but one guy who's really stood out on the pitching side is Brandon Belak, who yeah. I think a lot of people weren't really that aware of. An you know, 11th round pick out of Notre Dame, uh, 2017. Last year was his first full pro season, but I mean, he's really opened some eyes with what he's been able to do in camp, especially in some short stints. Yeah, he doesn't. He's not as famous as those other three guys. Hasn't gotten the notoriety, but I think he opened as many eyes in big league camp this year as, as anybody and had a good outing today. Got a big arm, definitely has good stuff that can get major league hitters out. So we're, we're excited about him. Our, our player development department has done such a great job of taking good players that we get out of the draft and helping them become their best possible versions. And Brandon Bielek is a perfect example of that. You know, we hoped that he could be maybe an organizational player, maybe a chance major leaguer out of the draft, because when you get to the 11th round, there's usually, you know, not a ton of players left that scream major leaguer, but our PD department, our pitching coaches, and obviously he had to put in the work, but it's a great success story, and he's got such a great attitude. He's, you know, he came to his big first big league camp, he stayed in the background, he asked a lot of questions, he listened, and I think he's going to benefit from it. I think this guy has a chance to pitch in the big leagues just as soon as those other guys. And that's really a, a, the perfect case for why you bring up so many non-roster guys to experience this right. big league spring training experience. Yeah, no, we could have gone out and signed some veteran major leaguers who were willing to sign minor league deals and given them those innings. But, you know, we really feel that's the reason why, you know, Brandon was sent out a couple of days ago, but he's back today pitching in the big league game. And, and we're going to see Forrest, we're going to see Martin, we're going to see JBB. Uh, AJ, AJ and I really want those guys to have the experience against the best possible hitters as long as possible here while we're here. And, and why give those innings to someone we're going to have to cut at the end of spring training? Why not give it to our guys that are going to be on this club in the next two years? And how important is it, too, especially for some of these young guys? You know, you think about Forrest Whitley getting a start uh, in the split yeah. squad game tomorrow uh, against St. Louis. How important is it for some of these guys to be able to pitch near the beginning or the middle of the game when some of the established big league players for the other side are, are still playing, and, and you can use that as an evaluation tool. No, it's big. They, they, by spring training, by the fourth inning, you're starting to see the minor league guys come in. And right. so if you, you, oftentimes you get some false positives with guys pitching the seventh, eighth, and ninth and mowing people down. But if you're in that first inning and you're facing Cano and you're facing the, you know, the best parts, the carpenter and you know, the guys in the Cardinal lineup that he's going to be facing, it's going to be a, it's going to be a real challenge for him. So he's he's earned it. It's you know it's a funny story because he's going to start the game at home, right? And Miley's going to start the game on the road. And um, he came to AJ and said, "Well, that's not fair. Miley has major league service. He should <laughs> be starting." Yeah, AJ. But you know, Miley's staying closer to Jupiter, so it was more convenient for. It. So it was there nice because he he has the awareness to 
recognize that the veterans have certain status and certain benefits and that he's not there yet, which was a real good sign. When you talk about really mining the, the later rounds of the draft and developing those guys, you know, it seems to me that, you know, when you talk to them and, and ask them how you're doing and, and uh, you know, how things are going right now in camp, they're not talking about, you know, the strikeouts they're generating. They're talk, talking about some of the analytics that are being yeah. presented to them. And they're actually using it as competition, you know, against other each other. You know, right. like, hey, I had I had this you know, spin rate last night. What, what are you going to do today? Yeah. You know, that type of thing. And that has to be very encouraging for you because, you know, that's that's kind of the plan that you have in place to to be able to to pick, get the data, analyze it, and present it in a way that really challenges and gets these guys to grow. Well, we want them to own it, and once they own it, it becomes theirs, and you know they're going to work on it. And so our job this spring is to present them with the information and give them some goals and some objectives and show them a way that we're going to measure their progress towards those goals. And, you know, they're coming to us after every outing and, say, and asking, how am I doing? How did I do on the, you know, objective number two? Am I getting closer or further away? And we show them the data and they get excited. You know, Robinson Chirinos was talking on uh, XM Radio about uh, his transition to the Astros and what he's learned. And he was able to really clearly articulate the goals that he set for himself this spring, which obviously we presented him with the information. Um, but it was in, in a great way because they were baseball goals. They were about his hitting. They were about his receiving, about his throwing, and things that he needs to do differently that he's picked up since he's been here. And it's great that our players are able to, after really a couple sessions, know exactly what they need to work on and go out and do it. Because at the end of the day, if they don't own it, it's not going to happen. That, and that really frees you up when you go out and look to acquire free agents. Uh, people are kind of scared away by the perceived efficiencies. But, but you can recognize that, and, and you have a, a plan in place to move past that. Yeah. I mean, look, everybody can get better. And we talked about this last year. Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander are the first to admit that there's things that they can do to improve. And they both did it last year, and they had great years. Justin should have been the Cy Young, and, and Garrett was right there in the, in the top five. But even after that success, they're both doing things this spring, I mean, Justin's throwing more change-ups, Garrett's doing different things, and if the top guys in our team are trying to get incrementally better, it means that we can all get better. And the guy who's 25th on the roster, the guy who's four, on the 40th on the 40-man, you know, they've got ways to go, and, and they can improve themselves. You know, there's a lot of talk, not as much anymore, but you still hear about, with the analytics, about getting Major League players to buy in. Mm -hmm. But... I mean, I found in my experience, and you would know better than I would, ultimately major league players, like you said, they want to get better. They're, right. they, want, they want the information if they know it can, it can help them get better. Doesn't, you know, whether it's from a coach, whether it's from some, some metrics. That, that, that's the bottom line is that guys is. are just trying to figure out how, to, how they can get better. They have to trust it, though, and that's really yeah. the issue, that when something is first presented to them and it's some graphs or some dots or some numbers they don't understand, it's, it, the, na the natural reaction is to be a little bit skeptical and, you all have to remember these are elite athletes that have had success their entire careers and, and they've always been successful. So to tell them you have to can that pitch or start changing your strategy, it's, it's difficult. But I think we've built up the trust and we have the track record where guys come in like Chirinos and like Miley and they say, well, it's worked for all these guys before me. I think I'm going to go ahead and give it a shot. Briefly going back to the, to the minor league side, uh, another tremendous campaign for you guys as well. Uh, the top five clubs all get in the postseason, two league titles, uh, second best uh, combined record uh, among all the 30 major league teams in the minor leagues. And uh, this year you guys have done a great job of infusing uh, young talent and the coaching staffs as well. Yeah. And we had a chance to meet the, the, the Hooks uh, field staff 
uh, all new guys uh, right. except for Omar Lopez, right. our, our skipper. And I'm just wondering, what when you go out and are seeking these candidates to fill these very important roles, what are some of the things that you're looking for to accomplish yeah. this? It's a great question. And we do have a very young coaching staff, top to bottom, throughout the minor leagues. And there's some experience in there, but there's a lot of young, passionate, energetic coaches. And what we look for, first of all, is an open mind and an inquisitiveness, a desire to learn, because we're all learning. And I'd say no better example than our pitching coach. He's the oldest pitching coach in baseball, and yet right. he is... His appetite to learn is insatiable. He's always reading books. He's always talking to people, always picking people's brains. And that's what we look for. And we look for it no matter where it comes from. It could be a junior college coach. It could be a high school coach. It could be someone that ran a bat, you know, batting cage. And if they have it, you know, we bring them into our system. And the other thing they have to have is an ability to communicate with the players and really connect with the players. And that not everybody has that. We're fortunate that we've had some great instructors and you know, Josh Miller, the reason he's now on our Major League staff Former is hook, yeah. he has the ability to communicate with players. And it doesn't matter that he didn't play in the big leagues and he just got to double A. This guy gets has credibility. He knows what he needs to do to, to connect with the, with the pitchers. And he also knows that they're all different. And the way you connect with CNL Perez is going to be very different than Absolutely. the way you connect with, you know, uh, Ryan Presley. And he's, he adapts his style accordingly. And beyond the field staff, there's so many other pathways now to, uh, you know, baseball operations. Uh, what, what advice do you give to young people who are beginning their, you know, uh, school and, and beginning, the, you know, their career to want to break into the business? What advice do you give to them to, to be able to fulfill their dream of working in baseball? Well, there's a lot of people who want to work in baseball, and um, there are more diverse uh, backgrounds today in baseball than ever before. It used to be if you didn't play the game, and at least to a certain level, you'd work and have a shot. I mean, I played you know, high school, junior varsity baseball. and I know, was a bad boy in Little League, by the way. But I was one of few, <laughs> uh, you know, t 16 years ago that, that had an executive position right. on the baseball ops side. But in today's world, we're hiring scientists, we're hiring mathematicians, we're hiring doctors, uh, you know, psychology majors. I'd say just really enjoy the topic that you're studying and excel at it. And there are going to be some applications to sports that you probably didn't even anticipate. You know, my son is studying computer science and psychology, and that combination is really sort of artificial intelligence, right? And, and are there applications for artificial intelligence in baseball? You bet there are. Absolutely. We're already starting to look at machine learning and look at different ways of analyzing data and coming up with, you know, the, the next thing. And it's, it's an arms race when it comes to these areas in baseball. So um, I'd say, but you have to be passionate about what you're studying. You know, if you're doing it just to check a box and, and get a job in baseball, it's probably not going to work. You know, talking about the, the coaches at the minor league level and how young your, your coaching staffs are mm -hmm. at, at, at different levels in the system, do you think you're, I mean, obviously player development's about developing players. You think a lot of that's about developing coaches no too doubt. and the next generation of guys who may, may be coaching in the big leagues or just may keep advancing at the minor league level? No doubt. I mean, we have to be focused on developing executives, coaches, scouts, et cetera, because last year, and I've said this a couple times in the media, we provided 20% of the talent for the industry. There's 30 teams. So if we were sharing just our proportionate amount, it would be way lower than 20%. But a fifth of the industry openings for scouts, for executives, for GMs were filled by the Astros, which left huge voids in our organization. So we had to go out and find people to replace them. Fortunately, most of those there were a few we brought in from the outside, like Donnie Kelly and some of the minor league coaches, but most of them were already there inside. So we were able to, you know, promote uh, different coaches, scouts, execs, executives, et cetera, 
And, but it now means that we need to replenish at the front lines. So we went out and we hired a bunch of people. And I'd say for Pete Patilla, our, our farm director, for myself, for Armando, for our scouting folks, we spent a large part of this offseason hiring people at the entry level that someday are going to be replacing these people that are good now that are probably going to be hired by other teams in the next five years. Some of the prizes of that uh, system, likes of Carlos Correa and Alex Bregman. Bregman, a big home run today. Yeah. Correa swinging the bat. Well, those have to be encouraging signs. Huge. And for me, the Correa swings that I've seen this spring are, are the biggest indicator that he's going to have a monster season. You know, last year towards the end, he was trying. There's no question about it. He was giving it all, but he just couldn't come around on the ball. He wasn't hitting the ball as hard. We knew that. And it was because he wasn't feeling well. And you could even see it in his fielding. Now, he's making some spectacular plays. He's driving the ball hard. He's very confident. And as he gains confidence throughout the rest of spring training and early in the season, I think Carlos Correa is, you know, everybody thinks Lindor's past Correa and he's now ahead of him. I think that gap's going to be closed pretty quickly. And how about the, the power we've seen the other way? Like, he had a he yeah. had a couple of balls well the other way. One was an out. But, I mean, that's something we weren't really right. seeing as much of from Correa. Yeah, I mean, last year when he was going the other way in September, it was because he couldn't get the bat around quick enough to right. drive it. Now he's driving it and able to actually wait on the pitch and go the other way. So powered all fields. This guy, I mean, I'm predicting a, a huge year for Carlos Correa. Hey, catch a first glimpse of this year's top prospects as the Hooks and Express play two exhibition games during the Houston Astros Futures Weekend. This home-and-home home series will kick off at Corpus Christi March 30th. We'll continue in Round Rock on the 31st. Visit AstrosFutures.com for more information. We're going to have more with Astros President of Baseball Operations General Manager Jeff Luno as we continue. This is Astroline presented by Carbach Brewing Company coming to you live from Duffy's Sports Grill, downtown West Palm Beach on Clematis and on the Houston Astros Radio Network. What's even easier than hitting a home run into the Crawford boxes? Deep to left field and you can kiss that goodbye into the Landry's Crawford boxes. How about cracking open a delicious Crawford box? Carbach's Crawford Bach pairs perfectly with peanuts, stadium dogs, and a good seventh-inning stretch. Plus, a portion of the proceeds from each beer goes to the Astros Foundation to support community initiatives. So root, root, root for the Astros with a cold Crawford Bach this season. With plenty of player interaction and warm weather, spring training is something every baseball fan needs to experience. So, see you later! to West Palm Beach and see your Houston Astros in action at the 15 ballpark of the Palm Beaches. While you're here, don't miss our 20 craft breweries and 47 miles of beautiful beaches. Start planning your trip at thepalmbeaches.com for the best way to experience Florida. Welcome back to Duffy Sports Grill on Clematis, downtown West Palm Beach. This is Astroline presented by Carbach Brewing Company. Final Astroline of 2019 offseason because, hey, regular season's about to start. So that means no more offseason hot stove show because no don't have to worry about the hot stove here coming on uh, March 28th when the Astros open up the season. Hey, join the Astros official kids club today for just 30 bucks. Kids 12 and under can join the Astros buddies club presented by BBVA Compass, which includes tickets to select Astros games, premium items, and exclusive opportunities. Visit astros.com slash buddies for more information. Robert Ford, Michael Coffin, and we're here with President of Baseball Operations General Manager Jeff Luno of the Astros. And, you know, we were talking uh, before the last commercial break about Carlos Correa you know, the back injury was, was really affecting him even after he came off the DL last year. Jose Altuve was basically playing on one leg, yeah. had knee surgery right after uh, the Astros were eliminated from the postseason. And 
you know, you look at the way things went last year. Astros won a club record 103 games, second straight 100-win season, which is pretty remarkable. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you get to the playoffs, and the Red Sox wind up beating you in the ALCS, but the Astros weren't healthy. You think back to 2017, met the Red Sox in the division series, and right. the tables returned. Dustin yeah. Pedroia wasn't healthy. Mookie Betts wasn't healthy for Boston. And does it did it kind of reinforce how – Obviously, talent's important once you get to the postseason, but you, you need some health. You need some luck, too, right? Well, there's no doubt about it. I think if we play that series ten times, we win it five times, and they win it five times. It just so happened that with our players banged up and you know some of the things that happened during that series, you know they, they played really well. They played better than we did. They won that series. Uh, but, you know, people don't remember, we swept Cleveland. Cleveland was a very good team, oh, yeah. and we swept them, and we won game one in Boston, so we flipped home field advantage back to us, and then... You know, we just couldn't get it done for a lot of different reasons, but that's what the playoffs are all about. We, you know, this team has now been to the playoffs three of the last four years, and so we're, we're an experienced team. We're still young and athletic and can throw the ball hard and play good defense and all that, but I think, uh, you know, this year the challenge for us is going to be to stay motivated. I think we're obviously going to be motivated every day, but if we get off to a big lead in our division like most people expect and there's not a ton of pressure to, to win the division – you know, we have to keep ourselves motivated. AJ does a good job of that, but we're going to have to treat every series like it's a playoff series so that come, you know, come October, we're ready to go. Well, sticking with the big picture, you know, 204 wins the last last two years. You mentioned the, the postseason runs. Uh, and I, I'm just curious because, you know, even in the middle of the break, you get, you get mobbed by folks who want to meet you and, and thank you for all the stuff that, that you guys have done for the city of Houston, the state of Texas, and Astros fans in general. I mean, are you ever just surprised by all the expectations that people still have? And it's always, okay, what's, what's right. next? What's no, next? No what, what's it. next on the table? No doubt about it. I think it's great because not only do we have the core fans, and a lot of them are here tonight, and a lot of them come to spring training, but we've grown our fan base quite a bit. Houston is such a great sports city, but, you know, you got you to perform for the fans to come out and give you their money and, and talk about you. And everywhere I go in Houston these days, people are talking about the Astros and it, it's, it's wonderful, but the expectations continue to grow because now they're used to Astros winning baseball. Now they're used to, you know, us going deep in the postseason, and so anything less than that is going to be a disappointment. You know, fans clamor for you to go out and, and sign a player, and you do, and then the minute you do, they're already clamoring for the next player, and it just it's never ends. Uh, so some of it has to be a trust factor, trust that we're making the right decisions. You know, if you look at the Red Sox and the Cubs, the last two World Series winners besides us, uh, both of them had great success, and they're still good teams, but both of them have low-rated farm systems, either 29 or 30, those two teams. And we're still ranked 5, 6, 7 in all of baseball, which means that, and, and we have to because we don't have their payroll capacity. We have to continue to look towards the future and building our own, and we've done a really good job of it, and there's a lot of people who deserve credit for that. And you hear teams talk about all the time the window. Our window is now, yeah. and that's you just kind of turn that on, on its head. Yeah. We, we don't talk about windows. We talk about ledges. We're on the ledge, and the ledge, <laughs> the ledge just The story of my going. life, I tell you. <laughs> you know, when you talk about producing players, uh, you know, the one guy I want to ask you about is Derek Fisher. Yeah. Because he's looked much better in he camp has. this year. He kind of became a forgotten man last yeah. year. He was on the opening day roster, you know, got sick, was on the DL because of an illness, and uh, did not perform particularly well offensively, and kind of got overshadowed. People were clamoring for Kyle Tucker, yep. and, uh, and Fisher kind of be, became a forgotten man. And I was kind of curious to see how this camp would go for him. Right. 
I think he people aren't forgetting about him anymore. No, and he's still in camp, and he's still got a shot uh, to make this team. You know, his probably his biggest setback is the fact that he has options remaining, and and other players on the major league, you know, on, on the team don't. Right. Uh, but I'm so happy with his performance. He's done some, made some changes to. Uh, react to the feedback that, that people have been giving him. He's not looking at strikes for strike three anymore. He's swinging at those pitches, and he's so gifted. He's so athletic. He can throw. He can run. He can hit for power. I still very much believe in Derek Fisher, and even though we do seem to have too many outfielders, one or two injuries, and, and he's right out there. Tucker's right out there, and those guys are going to have a chance. They're both going to have a chance this year to prove themselves. You know, one thing I thought was interesting, Derek Fisher has talked about how, you know, we hear all about launch angle and getting the ball in the air, and Derek Fisher said, I, I tried to do it the wrong way, mm-hmm. is how he put it. And isn't that part of the challenge, too, yeah. with all the information out there and all the buzzwords you hear, uh, particularly on the offensive side? It's not just, okay, this is what you need to try and do. You also have to figure out how to tailor the information you're getting that, that best suits you. And it right. sounds like Fisher's gotten a better handle on that. He is, and it's so dangerous. If you tell someone the objective is launch angle, you're going to see them popping balls up and, right. and hitting to the sky. and. That's not the objective. That's the outcome. And the objective is to change your swing so that you're hitting the ball in the air a little bit more. And we're not talking about way up in the air. We're talking about just hit it over the shortstop's head. If you do that consistently and you hit the ball hard, you're going to be surprised how often that turns into a double or a home run. And that's, that's what we're talking about. And I think the same thing with Fisher. There's been a lot of preaching of plate patience and drawing a walk. And, and that's fine, but you don't let strike three go right down the middle of the plate when when you you know you can drive that ball and i think that's something that he's had to learn by experience and he's doing a better job of it and i i also predict Derek fisher's gonna have a big year and you know what if all these guys have big years and all these guys stay healthy i'm gonna be uh in great shape at the trade deadline if we need to go out and 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 acquire somebody speaking of uh, outfielders uh jordan alvarez played the entire game today uh, we saw him at the beginning of the year in Corpus Christi, just some impressive power. I mean, big-time power, yeah. great strikes on discipline. Uh, how, is he, uh, how have you evaluated his performance in, in the outfield, in left field? So he's getting better. I mean, he made a mistake today, threw to third when he should have thrown to second, right. and those are, those are teachable moments. We're going to be able to talk to him about that. Um, but he has shown an ability to react more quickly. He's actually got pretty decent foot speed for a big guy. And he's learning how to make those routes. I think he's got a better shot at left field than he does at first base. And obviously, DH is there for him as a backup. But what's impressed me more about Jordan this, this spring is the fact that he hasn't hit a home run. And he's not trying to hit home runs. It'd be very easy for a guy like him to come into camp and say, he I'm going to hit time. three to four home runs in spring and impress everybody with my power. But he probably would have struck out a bunch of times. He probably would have looked bad. He's been, he's been a good hitter this spring. And we know the power's there. We've seen it. And it's going to come, and this guy's going to have a chance to hit 30 to 40 home runs in the big leagues. But if he can be a good hitter and then be a power hitter, that's really all we need from him. And, yeah, that DH spot is there for him down the road if he needs it. But if he can play left field, he'll be there a lot quicker. Well, he's kind of a low-motor guy. He's very quiet. Yeah. And uh, how has he reacted to the experience of big league camp? I mean, has, has he been excitable? Is he yeah. smiling a lot? He's smiling a lot, but he's very respectful. It's good that he, we have Yuli and, and some other Cubans in the clubhouse because he's young. He's 21 years old. He's not turned 22 until June this year, so he looks like he could be 35 because he's so <laughs> yeah. strong. Yeah. But um, this guy is is a pup, and he's already made an impression on the on the staff. And and you know, I think we're, I'm glad we're in the American League because we got an extra position for him at some point. Yeah, as, as a matter of fact, speaking of the Cubans in the clubhouse, I saw him talking for a while in the clubhouse today with Aledmis Diaz, yeah. also also from Cuba. I, you know, I I think we should touch on too. Speaking of Alvarez, so you get him in a trade from the Dodgers. 
This was August of 2016. Josh yeah. Fields goes to L.A. Uh, in that deal, straight up. And this is a guy who hadn't played a professional game in the United States, had defected from Cuba. But this was somebody, and the Dodgers had just signed him about right. a month and a half before, but this was somebody the Astros... Yeah, we knew had, about him. You knew about him, and you had been trying to sign yeah. him, right? Yeah, we tried to sign him uh, at the deadline um, before the year. The calendar flipped in the, in the uh, international space, and the Dodgers just outbid us, and we had spent a lot of money that year on CNL and some other guys. But we liked him, and, and a lot of credit goes to Charlie Gonzalez. He's a scout who lives here in Florida who's done a lot of our Cuban scouting and so when time came for us to, we knew the Dodgers were interested in fields and we were asking for different players and they kept saying no. And then I thought, you know, well, we were, this, this guy just got signed for two million bucks, you know, a month ago and he hasn't mm -hmm. played a game professionally yet. Uh, what about Alvarez? And they said, okay, we'll do Alvarez. And we had to, we had to actually finish paying his bonus because he hadn't even been paid oh, his bonus wow. yet. And we got reimbursed for the Dodgers. He played his first professional game with us in the Dominican Summer League and just took off from there. And it's been you know, a, a pretty quick rise for this guy, and I, I could see him being in our, our big league team next year, if not this year. How, how has your progression been as a, a president of baseball operations and a general manager in terms of, you know, it's kind of an art form when, when you have to have patience, when you, you know yeah. you want to go after a guy, but it's just not the right opportunity to, to kind of throttle back and see what happens if it's a year from now, if it's a month, month from now. That's, yeah. that's got to be quite a challenge. Patience is the hardest thing in my role, in any role in sports, uh, whether it's basketball, football, baseball, because fans are demanding immediate satisfaction. And, you know, fans don't really think too much about what's going to happen two years from now. They think about this season and they want immediate satisfaction. And the media tends to play into that and also de on the fire. demand yeah. immediate satisfaction. And, you know, the media will credit you for making a trade for Carlos Gomez and then as soon as Carlos Gomez doesn't perform, you know, how, do, how did you possibly make what that trade? So um, it is hard. I think one of the benefits that, that I have is that I have an owner who is very understanding and plays the long game. We all want to win. And Jim Crane is as competitive as anybody, and so am I, and so is AJ. And we all want to win this year, and we're going to do everything we can to win the World Series. But we're not going to destroy the chances of the Astros to win in 20 and 22 and 24 just to eke out another 1% or 2% chance to win this year. It's just not going to happen. We're going to be responsible with that because we want to be around for a while and we want to win multiple championships. You know, when you think about some of the things the Astros did this offseason, one move that really stood out to me was bringing in Michael Brantley yeah. on the two-year deal. And I tweeted this out, actually, after the signing became official. Since 2012, the two players with the most seasons of at least 50 extra base hits and 70 strikeouts or fewer are Michael Brantley and Jose Altuve. Yeah. They each have three such seasons since 2012. And Brantley, he's a guy who can really lengthen the lineup because, as those numbers attest, he's a guy who can hit for some power right. but does not strike out at a high rate. Right. I think it's great. And you look at two of the hardest guys to strike out last year. It was uh, Bregman and Brantley. Right. Brantley's in, in elite territory there. And you put those, guys, those five guys at the top of our lineup, however age you decides to put them, you know, last year we did have a little bit of a drop-off after the four. You know, sometimes Reddick was struggling or Yuli was struggling. And so after you got through those four, it was a little bit easier for them to navigate. Now there's five, and then you get to Reddick and Yuli, and then you got Chirinos in there who hit 20 bombs, and you got maybe Diaz in there who hit 20 bombs. It's not going to be easy for them to navigate the bottom of the lineup, which means you come back around the top, and there's guys on base, and Brantley's driving them in. And, you know, he's another guy. He doesn't try and hit home runs. He tries to make hard contact and use the whole field. 
and he doesn't strike out, and that's going to that's gonna be huge for us. And we're going to have runners all over the place. Our guys are going to steal bases more aggressively this year. We've already seen a little bit of it in spring. They're, they're taking better leads. They're taking better jumps. They're spending more time on it. Um, so we're going to be a fun team to watch for sure. And when you, when you go out and you get a guy like Brantley, obviously, as you described well, the results are there. He's going to impact the lineup and lengthen the lineup. But do you consider it all the fact that the seasoning that he could add for a guy like George Springer? Oh, boy, yeah. I mean, George is maturing, and, you know, he's, ha- he's now an experienced veteran on our team. But when you get a guy like Brantley who's been in the league longer, um, and Brantley likes to be around other players. I mean, he's a quiet guy, but he likes to be around other players, likes to talk to everybody. He's very friendly. Um, but he's also, you know, he has a compass of baseball and doing things the right way. And it's from day one when he got here, you could just tell. Players were attracted to him. They want to hear what he has to say. They want to ask questions. I see him in the lunchroom talking to everybody. It's not just outfielders. It's infielders. It's Latin players. It's, it's pitchers. Um, he's, and, you know, I knew this was going to happen because the day we, traded, we signed him, I had text messages and calls from other GMs, former GMs, people that played with Brantley saying, you have no idea what a guy this is that you just got into your organization. You're going to love him. That's such a such a good feeling. Yeah. Hey, 2019 Astros season tickets are on sale now. Enjoy some of the best seats and exclusive benefits throughout the year at Minute Maid Park. For tickets and more information, visit astros.com slash season tickets, or you can call 1-877-9ASTROS. We'll have more with Astros President of Baseball Operations and General Manager Jeff Luno as Astroline, presented by Carbock Brewing Company, continues live from Duffy Sports Grill, downtown West Palm Beach, and on the Houston Astros Radio Network. What's even easier than hitting a home run into the Crawford boxes? Deep to left field, and you can kiss that goodbye into the Landry's Crawford boxes. How about cracking open a delicious Crawford Bach? Carbox Crawford Bach pairs perfectly with peanuts, stadium dogs, and a good seventh-inning stretch. Plus, a portion of the proceeds from each beer goes to the Astros Foundation to support community initiatives. So root, root, root for the Astros with a cold Crawford Bach this season. With plenty of player interaction and warm weather, spring training is something every baseball fan needs to experience. So, get to West Palm Beach and see your Houston Astros in action at the 15 ballpark of the Palm Beaches. While you're here, don't miss our 20 craft breweries and 47 miles of beautiful beaches. Start planning your trip at thepalmbeaches.com for the best way to experience Florida. And welcome back to Astroline, presented by Carbach Brewing Company, coming to you live from Duffy Sports Grill, downtown West Palm Beach, on Clamanda's final Astroline of 2019. Astros, many plans are on sale now. Pick the plan. It works best for you. Choose from a series of five game plans, a 10-game bobblehead plan, or the 15-game flex plan presented by Netspin. Call 1-877-9-ASTROS or visit astros.com slash mini plans for more information today. Talking with Astros President of Baseball Operations and General Manager Jeff Lino. Jeff, got to get your thoughts on the rule changes that were announced today. There were several of them. Yep. Some going into effect this year, some going into effect next baseball season. You know, for this year, uh, you know, the mound visits going down, trade deadline, just one trade deadline now, yep. July 31st. Overall, how do you feel about some of these changes? What do you think is going to be the most impactful? Well, you know, they have that expression, drop in the mic. Yeah. And I think after we traded for Justin Verlander on August 31st, <laughs> a couple of years ago, they said no one's ever going to do a better well, trade two than that. seconds to spare, right? So let's just eliminate that rule altogether. <laughs> um, you know, I understand why we're, we're making the changes. We're trying to 
make things a little bit more logical. Our fans don't understand why we have two trade deadlines. I have trouble explaining that to my wife and my son. And, right. Um, you know, and it really does benefit teams that uh, maybe can take on additional payroll in August, and that tends to be bigger market teams. Um, the five mound visits, it's not really an issue. I don't think we ever got down to one last year, and we certainly didn't get down to zero, so yeah. I, don't, I don't think that's an issue. The more interesting ones are the ones that are coming next year uh, that have been agreed upon, and, and we have a whole year to prepare for that because those are, are really changes to how the game might be played with number of players on the roster and you know how many batters you have to face and those sorts of things. But the ones that are being this year, I think they're, they're not going to really move the needle too much. Some of the changes that have already been in place in the minor leagues, whether it's you know, the pitch clock or, or the different mechanisms in place, you mentioned the extra inning rule with the runner at second base and uh, nobody out in the, from the 10th inning moving forward. Uh, how is, from your perspective, from your chair, how, how have those changes been implemented and, and how have they gone? Well, in the minor leagues, they've been great. And I think they've benefited. You know, a lot of times we, uh, the, as an as a industry, we've implemented things in the Arizona Fall League. And this year we're going to do it in the Atlantic League and in our own minor leagues. And we're able to get feedback from players, from coaches, et cetera. I mean, the big leagues is what we're all about. And so not all those changes are, are going to be relevant for the big leagues, but it, it has sped the game up. I mean, when I go around to minor league games, it seems like there's not they, they don't drag out anywhere near as long. And, you know, the clock's up there, but pitchers tend to respect it, and the game moves along. And for the extra inning rule specifically, the it seems like the field staffs like it because it creates more situations that yeah. players have to react to. Yeah, it does. And, and obviously you uh, minimize having to have position players pitch and extending pitchers to the point where they might get hurt so but that's not one that's going to be in the next couple years i think the more interesting one is the three batter face rule or end of the inning for relief pitchers and that's going to fundamentally change you know it's going to put a constraint on us that's never been there and we don't know what the unintended consequences are going to be of that uh, i mean certainly pitchers who are in there just to get one batter out are going to have to figure out the way to get other batters out and a lot of that is really about the left-handed specialists, the loogies, we call them. And, and, you know, even guys, I mean, Joe Smith gets all kinds of batters out, but he's generally speaking a guy that, that goes against right-handers. So uh, we're going to have to be creative. Jeff Luno, thanks so much for joining us. You've been listening to Astroline presented by Carbock Brewing Company. Astroline. You've been listening to Sports Talk 790 Astroline. The Astros' official preseason show, presented by Carbock Brewing Company. Astro Line. On Sports Talk 790, home of the Strohs. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.